Hey, beautiful people, and thank you for listening to the Bang 2-3 podcast. If you find this funny, entertaining, or insightful, feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, or if you want to make my day, go show us some love on our Instagram page, because I love each and every single one of you. Thank you for listening. Hey, nothing, nothing's anonymous nowadays, bro. How many yeah. people would you say have cell phones in, in prison? I would say it would depend on the uh, facility, but the last facility I was at, uh, oddly enough, I was at a minimum security annex, so it was minimum trustees, which there were very few of. I was one of, and then the rest of the guys were minimum, what they call minimum direct direct supervision by a staff member. Whatever. Uh, I'd say there was probably only one or two phones there at the annex, which is unheard of where I came from. I've been at another facility on the east side of the state and every other cell had at least one cell phone. You know, I mean, it was that proliferate. Proliferate? There was that many there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. So the, so the other one, you said there was one cell phone per cell. And how many people are in a cell? Uh, most, most of the time out there, it was uh, two people per cell. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it was pretty turned up at the prior facility. I don't, I don't want to put them on blast because they showed me a lot of love while I was there. They make me a lot of money also. But, uh <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, they, uh, yeah, there was, there was a lot of cell phones, uh, there was a lot of everything. And, and, and how did, how did they, how did they get the phones into the prison without revealing any top secret shit? Okay. Well, first off, there's no new hustle in prison. There's no new way of doing anything. Everything is recycled. So let's say the normal way is guy runs up to the fence with a duffel bag and throws it over in the middle of the night. They've been doing that for a hundred years, you know? So that's been burned. You know, they put barriers up, cameras, heat-seeking cameras. So they recycle the ways. It's kind of like they do at the border. You know, it's like you, you throw much, so much shit at the border, something's going to get through, and it does. Fucking hell, man. So okay, okay, just to rewind. How so? How long were you in prison? I was in for four thousand two hundred fifty-one days. It's about eleven years, six months, and two weeks. Oh my god. Fuck, man. And this is, yo, and if I seen you at McDonald's, I was just like, oh, he's a nice looking guy. But you have been through some fucking shit, man. People don't realize, dude, prison is crazy. This is why I wanted to talk to you. People just forget that we have a lot of fucking people in prison in America. I think we're like one of the most imprisoned countries in the world. And Yeah, I think... Yeah, I think they said we got 25% of the world's incarcerated population, but we only have like 100 of the world's population or something like that. I, can, I don't remember the exact ratio, but it's an ungodly amount compared Fuck to anyone yeah. else. Fuck yeah. Yeah, and, and people just forget that we could, we have tons of fucking people in there. And by the way, like their life is not good. Um, so a, a lot of times people are, or I've heard whenever people go down for a long time, they get locked up for a long ass time, like you were 11 years and they come out, they talk about like the culture shock, right? Because they come out to a brand new world, right? <laughs> Shit changes. And so since you, and, and how many, how long have you been out? Two weeks. All right. So since you've been out the two weeks, what's been like the biggest culture shock or the most shocking thing you've seen? Ah, sticker shock would be the first thing. And my brother and friends warned me about it. Uh, but honestly, uh, with probably any man that re- released from prison, like would be the, the interaction. With me. I mean, just seeing more than a neckline or wrist, you know what I mean? And then I come out into a world of, you know, 
athletic wear. I, I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, it's all like Lycra or whatever threading they're using nowadays to make clothes. It, it was, it's, it's still jarring. I've been out two weeks and it's like, eyes up here. I'm doing it to myself. It's like, you know, eyes straight ahead kind of thing. Cause it's, it's, it's shit. It, it really is shell shock. Like literally the females that you would see, you know, we had hot COs, we had attractive medical staff and teachers and administrators and stuff like that. But they're in a prison environment. If they're not wearing smocks or, I mean, some of the nurses wore like pike scrubs or whatever you want to call them. But I mean, like you're not seeing any skin. You're not seeing a lot of form fitting clothing. So getting out to that was, I mean, it was almost, honestly, it was like going into a strip club for the first time. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like you didn't know where to look. You know, and I'm still like two weeks. I'm two weeks in. I'm still like, I, I just, I just can't believe it's like that. I mean, everyone, everyone, like, little kids to freaking grannies, they're all like tabletics. It's crazy. <laughs> Yo, so, so was it like that before you got locked up, or do you remember? No, I mean, no. It, I, I, of course, I was involved in, in dope game shit, so I wasn't going too far from the house most of the time. But uh, I don't remember it being. I don't remember everything being like over sexual. Well, I retract that. I have a daughter. She was eight at the time. And I do remember me and my wife at the time, uh, discussing about how bad the cuts, of the jeans were. So we were buying her boys jeans because they were like hip riders or I don't know what the terminology is. They were cut very provocative, you know, for adolescent kids, preteen yeah. kids. So I do remember that. So I know his society was probably trending towards that to begin with, but like, now it's just like I said. It, I, I think it's out of hand. I mean, it's just I don't know. But I'm processing it. I'm acting like, hey man, hey, that's so interesting that you said that because, yo, this shit is crazy. Listen, I I, I haven't been locked up or whatever, and I've I've seen the transition, but these yoga pants and like you said, the cut. Now they have like these little bitty like skin tight shorts. And they pull them up their crotch to where you can see every little, if they have a pimple on their pussy, you could probably pop it through the fucking shorts or something <laughs> like that. And, yo, it's crazy. And I'm, you know, listen, I'm a married man, you know, and, and it's like, man, how do you not look? How do you not look? Thank goodness that a lot of them, you look and they don't, you know, they don't cuss you out or anything like that. It's, you know, it's kind well, of, I mean, I, I've literally seen more clothing or less provocative wear. You know, I used to be in and out the, uh, the clubs. I was younger, uh, doing the hustle thing and stuff. And I started going to triple club here in Memphis when I was 17 years old. I had my own VIP card, you know, when it was hard to get in if you were 21. So, you know, I'm, 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 you know, like I said, an adolescent going to these clubs doing my thing. But, uh, so I've seen girls with more clothing on showing less stuff than a girl I've seen at Kmart or with Kmart. I don't even think they got, but, what at the yeah. story, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, you know, it's just like it, it is overwhelming, but you know, I'm just taking it in stride, man. Uh, yo, it's nuts, and it's so it's so crazy. You said it. I think nowadays it's just, hey, look, everybody needs five gallons of attention every fucking day, and I think these girls have realized that, hey, if my pussy and ass is out, I'm gonna get a lot of attention, and it fucking works. Uh, so wh- what'd you get locked up for? Uh, I was arrested for initiation of methamphetamine process, was shaking bait situation, one pop method or whatever they call it, possession with intent to manufacture, sell, deliver drug free stools on the hands. Mm. Oh, so, what exactly were you doing? Like those charges kind of don't mean a lot. 
Okay. Uh, the initiation is the manufacturing of the meth. This was back before they had the super dope that's coming from China and Mexico. You know, you would send people to Walgreens or Shooks or CVS or whatever to get pseudoephedrine pills and then, you know, break them down and mix your chemicals together, go through the process and have you some dope in a few hours. Uh, so I was doing that. I had done that earlier in the day or mid through the night. I was done with that. I was uh, chilling at the house when I uh, had some people over and, uh, of course, being a tweaker drug addict drug manufacturer you know i had a eight camera dvr system set up and i see the rave coming very uh very surreal sir very surreal what, did you have any in- indication beforehand that maybe the cops were on to you uh no i mean it was something that was always there because i tried to keep my circle of people that i served pretty pretty set uh I, I knew how to recognize like if someone disappeared for like more than 24 hours they better had a good explanation to me yeah. You know, uh, as to where they were at, because that's how paranoid I was, because, uh, I mean, I was checking. We had a local system called JSSI, which is the court system. You arrest affidavits and people being processed in the jail. Just busted was a big thing back then. I don't even know if they still have that. But, uh, you know, I'm watching that kind of stuff because uh, I caught somebody like that. Somebody got arrested and lied to me about it. I'm, I just let them dig their hole. Now, of course, they weren't flipping on me or whatever, but they were just scared that I wasn't going to serve them no more because they got arrested and they were right to be paranoid because, but it made it worse when they lied to me about it. You know, it was a whole thing. Drugs are horrible. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay. So I'm not going to ask you the detailed process, but on a scale of one to 10, how easy is it to cook meth? Um, I would say safely. Yeah. A seven. Uh, and I would just, this is not a stretch of the truth. This is just being objective. I'd say any kid in high school could do it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was that simple. When I first heard about it, uh, you know, I'm not a chemist or electrolyst or anything like that. I heard the one pot method. I was like, that doesn't even make any sense to me. Of course, like I said, I'm not a chemist because I call bullshit. They told me about it because at the time I was manufacturing anhydrous ammonia dope, but actual drawn out meth lab, kind of like breaking bad kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas this other method, the one pot method is like, like I said, I mean, for teenage kids, what what is the one pot? I've never heard of the one pot method. It, it's it, it, you take your precursors, which are you know like the the fuel that the uh, fuel mixture goes in, and you add your lye and lithium battery strips, a couple other things. And, uh, you put it in a like a, a one liter bottle, shake it, use it to uh cap you uncap it and allow. I mean, because it, it will explode in regards to pressure, not flammability it will explode due to pressure so you just have to constantly vent it because it's building a massive amount a lot of the safest way to do is in a fire extinguisher that you can screw the cap on and off kind of thing and you can actually use the trigger to to vent sorry if that's now you're good trying to vent it's a very simplified some some jackass somewhere came up with a really good idea on how to do sick shit <laughs> Yo, man, stupid people could come up with good ideas. What? Yeah. What's your uh, favorite drug you've ever done? What's the best one? Oh, LSD. LSD by far. By, 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 by far, I uh, I, I thoroughly that is the one thing that I allowed myself to do while incarcerated. That was it. It, it was shit. test for it. Uh, I don't like my my little hidden secret because I'm the only one that knows I'm doing it, other than the person I got it from. And that is not a drug you find in prison. 
very often. So it was a very special, very special thing to be able to get something. Yeah. How much does LSD cost in prison for like uh, one hit, like one trip? You're doing one trip. How much would that cost? Uh, oh, okay. That doesn't sound bad. Yeah. Well, it's, now had I sold it, it would have been probably 25 or 30. Mm. But that was, that was what it was called to me. Holy shit. So what, what would you say is like your second favorite drug behind LSD? Uh, probably the, probably the meth, probably the stimulant because I've been, I was diagnosed ADHDS or something when I was like in second grade back in the eighties. So I've always been hyper attention deficit and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I, let me say this category. I don't believe this whole cop out self-medicating. If you're smoking crack because you've got attention deficit, that's a cop out. <laughs> that is, that is not self-medicating. If you're smoking meth. Or banging meth, or doing meth in any form, or using Adderall, or any of this analog, you're not self-medicating. That's called a dope habit. Your ass can go down to the clinic <laughs> and see somebody and get some psychological medication, and in the long run, it'll be a lot cheaper. It might cost you a little bit more on the front end, but your ass can go to work when you're on Adderall. If you're fucking doing meth and staying up 36 hours at a time, you know what I'm saying? You ain't gonna hold a job. You're not gonna maintain a relationship. You know what I'm saying? So this whole Someone tried to tell me something about uh, a caseworker I met with this week. Said something about, oh, so you were self would you say you were self-medicating with meth? I was like, hell no. I was a dopehead doing meth. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yo, so so people really do that. People really, you know, they'll snort meth or smoke some crack or, or, or whatever. And they'll be like, no, I listen, I need this. I got ADHD. Does that fly? I mean, I think in today's society it does because everybody's cocking out. You know, yeah. it's like nobody wants to own shit. This is just my perspective, but nobody wants to own any of their shit. They want to, you know, oh, you know, I was in a single parent household and uh, yeah. I didn't have a father. This is me. I'm being sarcastic about myself, but like I'm not copping out or, you know, waiting on man. You know, I grew up with an older brother and my mom. My mom did the damn thing. She was a career nurse, Fuck held yeah. it down. She had to deal with my crazy ass. And I'm talking about, I got arrested at the age of seven for the first time. You know what I'm saying? I've been bound for prison since birth. Damn. Uh, and that, that's something that I talked about with my mom before she passed. Basically. And the life care thing was, you know, I really regret that she was not able to interact with me and see the man that I've become, what I should have been. And uh, she told me, you know, I started crying. And she was like, no, I see it. I've seen it through all the visits and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and she goes, I just wish I, I could have done better. And I, I, I about lost it, you know, uh, in, a, in a bad way. I almost I got angry at my dying mother that she would had the tenacity to say that. I was like, Mom, you don't realize the impact that you had on my life. I want you to think of it like this, because this is how I think it. Had you not shown me the love, the level of dedication and patience and understanding and, you know, unconditional love, basically, if, if there is such a thing, I'd have been worse. I mean, whatever I had going on, if I didn't have the moral compass center that my mother had instilled in me, I mean, we, I guarantee we wouldn't be happy because I would still be in prison for something a lot more heinous or I'd be dead. And uh, I think I, I think I impressed that upon her enough that, that uh, I mean, I am who I am in all the good ways because of my mother. What do you think she meant by, I wish I would have done better? Well, you know, because her son's in prison. You know, she tried tried and tried to get me to do the right thing but i mean 
Fuck. So, That's the only so thing she, I can figure. So she she was she was essentially saying that she was disappointed in you. Probably the person that I had. I would say. Fuck. But man. she 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 told me that she saw what I had become, the, the progress that I had made. She had seen it over the years. My mother came to visit, if not every two weeks, every three weeks. Uh, in the first like six years of my incarceration, because I was on this side of the state where she lived at, and when she wasn't bringing my kids ex-wife was bringing my kids so uh you know they they saw the progress i mean from day one from the day that i was arrested sitting in the back of the police car i cried when my ex-wife showed up uh, my mom had called because i lived in the neighborhood mother lived in at the time she was like something's going on west she might want to go over there and me and my wife were estranged at the time. i was seeing my kids every other week maybe i was having to rent a hotel room with a pool okay this this is kind of interesting uh so my I don't know if you know this. There ain't a stupid fucking woman in the world. They know what the <laughs> fuck is going on. Yes. So uh, I'm living on my own because we're separated because she found out that not only was I doing dope, I was making dope uh, in the backyard of the house where our kids live. Damn. Uh, yeah, that's that's probably about the second most ashamed feeling I've ever had. Came back and thinking. The close proximity. Of course, you know, I didn't do the dope around the kids, or I didn't do the dope in the house, but that's kind of like a justification or rationalization, or whatever you call it. I was sitting in the backyard in a shed or whatever. But, uh, it's not cool. Um, yeah. but, uh, my ex-wife came to see, of course, she was my wife at the time, the strange, separated. And, uh, when she came in the car, I cried. I was, and it wasn't out of sadness that I fucked up, or man, I'm in trouble, or I'm gonna lose all the stuff I got. It was relief, man found sense of relief that it was finally over. Finally over. I've been looking to escape this shit for at least two years. I mean, I've been doing it forever, but like actually trying to get out of it. I was enrolled in school at the time, learning, trying to get my welding certification. So I was welding my day and cooking dope by night. Like I said, you can't live in both worlds. It just don't work. It's going to be one or the other. Holy shit. So do you, can we go back to, okay, you got arrested and then I'm guessing maybe you had your day in court. And you got sentenced. What what was that feeling like? And what was your original sentence? Okay. Uh, so I'll backtrack just a little bit. So at the scene, you know, as it's all sinking in, talking to the uh, called OCU, Organized Crime Unit Detectives. So what am I looking at? They're like, oh, six to eight years. Oh, oh. Six to eight years. That, that ain't bad. You know, at 30%, throw out in a few years, go get cleaned up, throw out, and, you know, still get to see my kids get raised. I wasn't in jail maybe two weeks when the word came about what was really going on. Uh, they were doing the schools only uh, since I was within a thousand feet of a school property, um, which meant that charge was going to be elevated from a class B to a class A felony. And the standard range for the minimum range for that would be 15. So I was immediately facing 15 years at a hundred percent for the, uh, small amount of dope that I had in the house. That, uh, I got eight years at 30% for the manufacturer, but for like the three or four grams of meth that I actually had produced that night, I got 15 years day for base for that. And and what what was the first thing that went through your mind when you you found that out? Uh, man, I wasn't thinking about it. You can't process. I mean, I literally couldn't process it. I mean, I knew sitting in jail, I was you know I was I was done, but like, and I knew that I had begged for it to all be over one way or the other for a change and all that but i mean i didn't process it It really didn't hit me until 
uh, I didn't fight the case. I didn't, you know, file motions or have an attorney do this, do that, to try to prolong it out. When the, when the federal prosecutor came over and uh, told me that my federal exposure or PSR, I don't know, I've never been fed, so I don't know all the terminology, but they said my federal exposure was like 32 on the range of 32 and I was facing 240 months minimum. I was like, I did the math real quick. I was like 24 years or, something, or whatever it was. It was like 22 or 24 years. I was like, that was after I told I was facing 15 in the state. So I think it was really a boo game on the part of the DA's office to be like, oh, well, you end up taking this fed, going fed, facing, you know, an extra six years. Uh, had I done that, I'd have been out of prison five years ago, probably. First Step Act, Feds got rid of the mandatory minimum. I'd have been out of prison five years ago. But like I've talked about with everybody else, uh, I might have been doing my time in South Dakota and never seen my kids, never seen my mom, or been in Wyoming or Biloxi, Mississippi, or Fort Smith, Arkansas, or wherever they wherever they put you wherever they need to. So I made the right choice going state. Uh, but I took the first thing smoking, man. I went from arrest to processing in the state prison in less than six months, which is pretty damn fast. Holy shit. Okay. Fuck, man. I'm going to be honest. Okay, let me get a tangent here. So I thank goodness I've never been to prison. But I think as a citizen of the damn country, that's a ridiculous sentence for a guy who's cooking meth, right? I understand. Right, Everyone thinks cooking meth is so bad it kind of has a stereotype. But he just produces some drugs, right? I think cooking meth, growing weed, you know, making X, anything, the same thing. That's fucking crazy, bro. That is crazy for a guy who's cooking meth. Um, okay, so you got your time. Were you? What was your like um, overall? I guess thoughts on prison. Were you scared? Have you been to jail before? Did you kind of know what to expect? I was extremely worried. I had done uh, about a year's worth of time in the county jail, uh, and you know, I knew the racial disparity was uh, not in my favor. You know, I, I'm I'm in the South, in Memphis. There's uh, not too many white guys in prison unless they're in their DUI at that and, time. You know and why does that matter? Why Why does that matter? Because people don't realize this. Why does it matter that you were the minority? There weren't a lot of white people. Well, I mean, I, I grew up here in Memphis, so it's never been a thing for me. Uh, you no, know, it's just how I grew up. So it wasn't a big deal to me. Uh, when I got off the bus, Went through the, you know, shaving your face, taking the picture, and then walking into the unit with your bedroll kind of thing. That That's kind of true form to some of the stuff you see in the movies, but there aren't really bars. It's, you know, crash doors and individual, you know, two-man cells. Odd, but uh, when I went in and shut the door and the doors got shut behind me, you know, I immediately crashed. I, I was over, over stressed, and when I woke up to the noise, I looked out in the pod, and uh, I seen, like, 20 or 30 white guys walking around doing their little you know, one hour rec time. I was like, I had literally never seen that many white people incarcerated because I had done time at the penal farm, which is what they call the county workhouse here. And it's like a, you know, a three or 4,000 bed facility. And there was a sprinkling of white people, uh, there, but me not being affiliated, me not being, you know, on the dumb shit. Uh, I never had a problem in jail or at the penal farm. Uh, that kind of changed. I was really worried about that with prison because I, I ain't gonna lie to you. I asked, I was very naive to the whole prison thing. I asked before I left the jail to somebody that had been to prison. He's like, yeah, you're going to need to click up. You're going to need to get affiliate. I'm sitting here thinking, man, I'm 32 years fucking old. Man. 
for that bullshit. I'm like, I don't know nothing about game banging or, you know, the only white dudes that I knew were affiliated were like Simon City Royals or maybe uh, some type of vice lord or something. I mean, that was my interaction with white people that were in the game. Uh, got to prison, seen all this. There was a whole lot of more white people locked up in state prison than I would have thought based on my experience. Yeah. So, so the, you're saying because the, the white people click up with the white people and the black people click up with the black people, there's not like, for example, in, in prison, there's not gangs where you have whites and blacks mixed. Oh, oh yeah, there is. Uh, now I'm, I can only speak from my experience in Tennessee prison. I understand that California and Texas are very different and maybe some other places, but I know those are very, you know, good examples in Tennessee. You got uh, white guys that are different parts with different sets of different, you know, with anchor cycles or Hope Nation or Vice Lords. Uh, and, and, but you're not going to have a black guy in Area Nation or a black guy, you know, the KKK or whatever kind of thing. <laughs> but there are, you know, white guys that are in predominantly black. Okay. Okay. So what were your first, like, I guess, six months in prison? Like, were you, were you trying to put on a front? I hear a lot of people, whenever they go in, they try to act tough. Oh, that, that's a bad idea. That, that, that's a bad Why? idea. Why? Why is that a bad idea? Because prison, okay. Prison can't like put it in a try. It is the elite of the elite of bullshitters, of the hustlers, of the killers, maybe not the smartest ones because we're all there, but you know what I mean? These, you're in a closed-off society, nowhere to hide, nowhere to run to, and there's nothing to do but observe other people's behavior. So if you get out of character, you got some kind of thing going on, seen it, you know, where you're portraying yourself as something this and this, this, and this, and that's all good, and then you let it slip. Or if someone makes a phone call that you didn't think they could make, they got a burner in their cell, checked up on you, you're getting thrown off the rail because I've seen it. It's, it's you can't go in there. It ain't like you go in there and pick the biggest guy and hit him. You pick the biggest guy and hit him. I mean, you might knock him out, but you don't. I mean, you just randomly pick somebody that might be the OG of an affiliation. You know, that might be the retarded kid brother of somebody. You know what I'm saying? It, it's like yeah. you can't do that. It's it's not like that. Like how it's portrayed in movies and stuff because everybody watches everybody. When I say that there is no secrets in prison, you. Let it out of your head, whether through actions or words or convey it through body language. It's no longer a secret. So everything has to stay in your head and you have to live like that because there are no secrets in prison. You, no secrets. When you tell your celly something, they're not. Be for sure. If you utter it, it's getting out. Yeah. Holy shit. And is it true? I've, I've heard that um, whenever they have like new prisoners in that a lot of times they'll get scammed or they'll, they'll run game on them and kind of trick them and trip them up. Is that true? Did that happen to you? Uh, things we don't want to admit. So <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to say that at the time, the big thing for cash transactions or whatever, uh, free world transactions was green dots. So at my classification facility, I repeatedly asked to go to a facility in Northwest Tennessee, uh, just to stay close to the house. Uh, and I was told, Oh no, you're not going to go there. You're going to get sent to a CCA, which is correctional corporations of America. Now I think it's for civic CCA is all indoors, you know, long hallways and crash gates and gyms inside and all that kind of stuff. And, 
you know, this, that, and other. So I was told from the jump, try to send you a CCA, don't go. So dude is like, uh, you know, I might be able to get you somewhere for like 25 or $50. That ain't a CCA. So, you know, I was like, uh, so I hit, hit old mom up and I was like, mom, I need a, I need a green dot. She didn't know what it was, had to tell her what it was and go to the store and get it. But he brought me back a, a, a tight, I realize now, after all the experience I've been in prison, he went and literally typed up a letter on Microsoft Word and uh, made it look like I was going to the place that I want to go to. Now, fast forward a couple of days, blessings be what they are, I went to, to Northwest. I don't know if dude had anything to do with it or if that's just the way the cars fell, but I feel like he killed me because I've been a clerk in the administration for the prisons at three different prisons. So I know what Microsoft Word looks like. I know what prison transfer <laughs> orders look like. And what he had was not a fucking prison transfer. Holy shit. So he, but yeah. he got he got 30 bucks out you for a typed up piece of paper on Microsoft Word. Yeah, somewhere between 25 and 50. I can't remember the exact amount. I feel like he got. I got what I wanted, but I still feel like he got. Damn. Uh, what, what about, okay, I always hear about this one, right? So you go in and whatever, and then people like give you stuff, right? They're like, hey, bro, here's a cup of coffee. Hey, yo, you want to, got a bag of chips. Hey, don't worry about it. You don't have to pay me back. And then they get yeah, you in that, debt like that. Is that real? Absolutely. Absolutely. How, uh, how does that let happen? Me, let me tell you. So I've been assigned. I moved into my new facility, Northwest, and I'm walking. I'm leaning on the rail top. I've got a cell upstairs on the top. And I'm leaning on top rail. And uh, let me say this real quick so you can know my exact frame of mind and where I was at. Like, imagine a real petite, very attractive one of these chicks we see walking around at Target in their in their little lycra wear, athletic wear, buxom, beautiful, and all that. Imagine her walking down a dark alley and seeing like three really big guys in the dark. She can't make out their faces, but they got knives. Now take that and put it into what's going into my head. Okay, so I'm on the rail, and this guy, when I say he saunters, it was very creepy, I, and he was probably as wide as a door and about as tall. He's like, hey, what's going on, man? He's new here. And I was like, yeah. He was like, doing all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm good, man. He goes, well, he goes, my name is blah, blah, blah. He goes, you got family on the street? I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, they taking care of you? Because I can help you. I'm like, no, man, my family loves me, man. They're taking care of me. I, I got a package on order right now. He goes, hmm. uh, I just want to let you know, man, I got my own. You need anything. Better be getting me. And Oh, my God. I'm talking about, dude. I'm still creeped out by that. I felt really dirty <laughs> after that conversation. Yeah, I mean, it was like, I was, I really thought like, this is it. You know what I mean? This is it. What, but, what you mean? You know, this is it. What, what you thought he was going to do to you? Kill you? Or, oh man. I mean, he was trying he was, he was trying to pull me. You know what? Yeah, I've yeah. never, you know, I served dope in gay clubs and, 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 you know, men are whores. So they'll work anybody hit on right. anybody. So I get, but I had never, felt that creeped out in any situation I'd ever been in life. Like the way dude was talking, dude was hitting on me and like trying to groom me all in like a three minute conversation. I mean, literally I was creeped the fuck out, you know, but I, and I immediately exited the area or whatever, but you know, th that's how they try you. They come and find out what your background is. If you got, you know, a support structure, family or whatever, that's, you know, financially helping you out because they're looking for the, the way you, that's, so you're absolutely right. There is, they are looking to pluck people as soon as they come in, get them into debt. Or one of the first thing they ask is, "What do you do? You mean what I do? I mean, what are you into? What what dope you do?" I'm like, well, fortunate for me, I don't do anything. 
Like last time I got fucked up was the day I got arrested. Uh, but that's not true, but it, it is overall, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they, they do that. Man. Looking, like I said, it's a closed off society. There's not women. They get it where they can get it. Yo, I can only imagine. So let, let's just say hypothetically, what was this dude's end goal? So he would, Hey, maybe give you some stuff. And then maybe the week, uh, in a week, he'll give you a little bit more. Hey, don't worry about it, man. And then after he's done that for so long, he'll say, Hey, yeah, man, where's, uh, you got to pay me back. What's up? And it, oh, yeah. is that I, how it goes? Yeah. I, uh, I, I can give you, I had a celly at the same facility uh, a couple years down the line. That was just like you said, I mean, like couldn't have been a fresher fish. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like young, no family, didn't have a TV, didn't have any good tennis shoes, you know, nothing. You know what I'm saying? Didn't have any personal property other than basically what the state gave him and stuff that, you know, he had come up on. I see him get groomed and plucked and sexually assaulted. Well, not, I didn't see it. I, uh, but I seen the aftermath of it. I, uh, he came into the cell one night at count time, lockdown time and, uh, took a horror bath, basically, you know, a bird bath in the sink. And the next morning I woke up and there was like a whole roll of toilet paper in the trash can, like covered in blood and what I thought was shit. I'm like, no, that's no way that that is shit, man. And so I'm sitting there staring at my trash can that I had just like literally sanitized the night before or the day before or whatever. Uh, cause you always want to keep your cell tight and right and clean and you know, cause it's a bathroom where you live. But, uh, so I turned the overhead light on and I looked down and, and it is shit and blood and stuff's on the sink and on the toilet. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Well, fast forward a few hours, dude, as soon as the door pops, dude checks in. Has to go to medical because he's been sexually assaulted uh, because of the debt that he got into with the guy, you know, smoking a little weed, doing a little meth or whatever he was doing, getting the commissary, borrowing the TV kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I did have a celly that was sexually assaulted. And, I, you know, I, of course, I didn't know it at the time, but I basically when I turned that overhead light on, I lost it on. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? What is this literal shit in the fucking trash can? Why would you not put that in the toilet? And he's just, I feel like crap. You know what I'm saying? Because literally, yeah. it's like an SVU fucking episode. Like, and I did not realize what was going on because I'm talking cat shit to this kid, and that's not even my personality. It's a, you know, it was disgusting, and me not recognizing the situation for what it was. You know, I'm just tearing into this kid, and he's basically up there. Yes, I'm sorry, sir. You know, like, and that's really unnerving when someone, at least when someone recognizes me as not authority, but you know, when that kind of when when someone calls you sir. Yeah, like yeah. that, it's kind of like I should have realized something then. But I mean, like, damn, and I felt bad because basically he was a fucking rape victim. I'm sitting here fucking screaming at him for making, trying to clean himself up for being raped. But he ended up checking in that morning right after the count query and they unlocked the doors. But it, it happens, man. It does happen. Holy fuck! So, so how does the situation go down? So they approach. I, I'm, I'm guessing you did not see the situation or whatever. So they approach the guy and they say, "Hey, bro, where I need my money now." He says, "I, I can't pay you back." And they say, okay, well, you know, either, you know, you're going to let me fuck you or, or something. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, like I said, I, I'm, I can't give you the dialogue, but I would assume it was, you know, what time it is. You're yeah. either going to get on this dick or you're going to take, you know, the, I, there's a saying, something like, uh, you're either, uh, I don't know. I, I'm horrible with fucking saying it. It's basically something like shit on the dick or blood on the chain. It was, or some, you know, variation there, there of implying, you know, you're going to get stuck with the shank or you're going to get fucked with the dick. So which one do you want? 
going to get fucked or you're going to die. But I'm, I'm pretty sure it probably went down that way or it might have been a little bit more persuasive. Like, come on, man, I've been taking care of you. You know what time it is. You know what I wanted. You ain't fucking stupid. Same. People are prison is full of manipulators. Not all of them are great, but th- that greatness can be overridden with a uh, fear of violence. Same. And that's what prison's all about. Violence and manipulation. So what do you what do you think would have happened if that guy would have said, nah, fuck you. I, you you're not you're not fucking me. You know, we're going to fight right now. What what you think would have you think he would have killed him uh, at at that camp in that scenario? It's a possibility because the guy that did it was a uh, was a lifer uh, that was at the lowest Damn. level of security that he could be at. Uh, so that was a possibility. But uh, I don't know, man. I mean, if the kid had to realize, I, mean, I, I would hope, I guess that's my rationalization is surely no one's that stupid, but. You know, SVU has made the entire nation a little bit more aware about, you know, sexual assault and sexual crimes and grooming and, and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know, man. I mean, I've been in a situation to where I had to get them up, fight, or it would have been worse. Because not to kind of get off on a different tangent, but in prison, the more that you de- try to defend yourself verbally, the more guilty you because and that goes against my nature like i want to talk it out let's hash this out this is the logical what i'm saying is logical this is how it happened however you perceived it is not how it happened this is how it, if you try to do that oh it's over with you're automatically guilty there is no fucking talking about it because prison is being about it. so you're either gonna petty up or you're gonna fight or you're gonna get stuck and so i was in i was in a situation like that you know it's like it, a do i've had i had two do or die moments uh I had to, I, I said something out of the side of my mouth one time sarcastically and that person took it and literally ran with it to an affiliation and presented it as I was talking bad about an entire affiliation about how they were nothing but bitches. Well, I don't want to call one guy a bitch in prison, uh, even though that word has gotten by water bound as, as calling somebody cuz, uh, but you know, it used to be such a social taboo. Bitch was the immediate fight work you know what i mean now everybody's calling each other bitches like what's up bitch you know what i'm saying no (laughs) i've seen that transition from where bitch was an immediate fight to what's up bitch you ain't nothing but a bitch ass you know that's what happened in the 11 years i was in prison but yeah i uh i got approached by the affiliation and they they uh said that i was uh, about to have to go take an ass whooping or come up with a hundred dollar green dollar or whatever and i'm like for what and they're like well yada 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 said that you saying we're bitches i was like that doesn't even make any sense you know what I'm saying? Why would I say that knowing that there's even one of y'all? You know what I'm saying? So he goes, well, so you saying dude's lying? You saying my brother's lying? And I was like, yes, absolutely. I'm saying, he's, so you're going to say that to his face. So I go, absolutely. I'm going to say it to his face. He goes, well, you're going to have to get the one with, him, which meant, you know, uh, a one-on-one, not like the entire group of people jump on you. You, you have an opportunity to get the one, the one-on-one. Uh, yeah. And I was like, man, I don't want to fucking do that. And I said, so you're lying. Because if you're lying, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, that's when I, that's when, you know, after the fact that someone in that affiliation came to me and was like, broke it down in my ignorance, where you defend yourself, the more guilty you are. If you're willing to fight about it or get, you know, handle it physically, that shows that, you know, that's your defense. Your little offense is your defense. So the fact that I was willing, I was like, yeah, I was like, let's go do it. We were going to fall off in a, a guild or what they call their units there. Uh, and, and, you know, 
go to a sale and fight. The fact that I agreed to it was enough for them when they realized that was, I was like, yeah, I was like, I don't want to do it, but absolutely. I'm this dude's fucking lying. But, uh, but that let me off the hook on that. This, they saw the willingness I was to fight and that's fucked up. Like there ain't nothing to talk about in prison when it comes to defending yourself, because the only way to defend your honor or defend the truth is to literally fight. That's what it boils down to. Damn. So it sounds like you handled it the right way. So if you're in that situation, you're in prison, the right way is to say, no, fuck him. Where's he at right now? We're going to fight because absolutely. he's lying. A- absolutely. You call him out on it. And, 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 and people use that same thing as a book. You know what I'm saying? Because that's the go-to to, to prove your innocence or tell your side of the story or whatever. You have to get them up. So and there are some people that are great at fighting and real bad at handling their business that resort to that, using that technique, you know, yeah. everything's exploited. Did, did you ever have to fight in there? Oh yeah, I uh, I had three, maybe four actual body write-ups. Uh, but you know, I average probably about an altercation a year. Uh, because it, it's it's hard to, especially when you have a personality like me, where uh, I stay in my lane, try to stay in my lane, try not to associate with as very few people as possible. Uh, but that came off as better than everybody else. That came off as uh, snobbish that came in as arrogant and that came in with a suspect. What I mean by suspect is if you tend to be by yourself or tend to not get high, that's suspicious in itself because why would you not want to be getting fucked up while you're in prison? Because you're in prison. I just, I just didn't get down like that. So that kind of made me suspect in some ways. Uh, but you know, so I was always button heads and most of the time I would say it was my fault because I did not recognize the situation for what it was. You know, I never got beat mercilessly or anything. I'm not a great fighter at all. I don't like to, I don't like confrontation to get into But, uh, you know, I held my own. So, yeah. not the greatest, but maybe, a, maybe about a 5.1 out of a 10. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I'm just glad you're still sitting here. You know, you're alive. You made it out, dude. So, uh, so in your opinion, what, what is the right approach or like the right demeanor? to have whenever you're entering prison like should you try to be you so you said don't try to be a tough guy but it sounds like you just, tried to stay in your lane and you got in trouble too yeah you just you just have to be yourself man uh yeah and just kind of the best thing to do when entering prison especially the first time not knowing the territory not knowing what to expect best advice is simple advice don't get into debt which means don't gamble don't do drugs, don't borrow commissary or canteen. That that debt is the biggest motivator of drama and violence there is. Because everybody wants to eat, everybody wants to get fucked up. You can't pay for it. It ain't like on the street. They'll they'll give you credit. They will literally let you get yourself into a hole you can't get out of, so they can own. You. And and that might end up being just monetarily. They might start extorting you through your family. You know, they'll be making phone calls to your family from the burner phone saying, Hey, got your, got your brother, got your son in the cell with me right now. You know, he owes me a lot of money. If y'all don't come off with this, this, start making payment plans that, you know, $75 worth of dope you got first week you're in prison is now ballooned into over a thousand dollars. It literally happened. That is not an exaggeration. That is literally how it happens. By the time you get through, if you get through, with that whole scenario, $75 will turn into a thousand dollars. 
because of the trouble that they had to go through to get it you know picking up the phone and scaring your family <laughs> that's crazy so so what do you do so a guy goes up to you it's like hey bro here here's a bag of chips man take it and you're like no i'm good nah. it's like no, no 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 take it take it no it's yours and he opens it's like here take it man take the chips what you supposed to do? No. Throw it at him? <laughs> no, you respectfully decline. They're not the fucking godfather. You know, it, it's I have a hard time accepting stuff from anybody, including my friends. So uh, it, it was already natural for me to decline stuff. But go without. Wait till you got money on your books. It's not that important that you have gray sweatpants. That you look like you've been there more than three days. You know, prison is a lot about, like in a law-abiding citizen. Warden was talking about this is the world or whatever, the land of the have and have not. You know, people want to have stuff there. They want to have the exclusive stuff. Like if you bring in a different style of tennis shoes, you know, a pair of tennis shoes you pay for $80 on the street, if you make it through processing with them, those might be worth up to $1,000 by the time you, you make it in to the orientation pod or whatever. But, uh, so it is about to have it because it's hard to get stuff. Uh, well, not hard to get drugs, contraband, it's hard to get the little things like a different, like a name brand t-shirt with a logo on, you know, something like that's worth $200, like a Nike t-shirt with a swoop on it with a graphic is contraband. So if you somehow made it through the system with it, you got you a $200 t-shirt. Holy shit. What, uh, what's the craziest thing you've seen in prison? Craziest thing I've seen? Yep. Uh, I've seen some wild stuff. I think the craziest thing I've seen was after an offender was killed or was being attacked, the officer, which stays in a locked cage in the center of the, uh, well, the cage could be locked, just a you know, suspended metal frame room with a phone desk or whatever, sits in the middle of the pod, went, uh, flying out of the uh, cage, screaming, they killed my baby, threw her radio, and then unlocked the crash gate with her keys and took off running. That was probably the craziest thing I've seen because of everything that it implies. Uh, what what does it imply? They killed her child? No, they, they killed her boo. <laughs> they killed uh, her, her boy, her man. Oh, shit. Does that happen? Oh, yeah. 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 Way more than they want. Way, way more than that. Way more than that. You so got to realize. The, the inmates are fucking the corrections officers, the females. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fuck. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's 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 not few and far between because you got to realize these women. Oh, I love to talk about this. The women in the prison, it takes a certain type of woman to be in prison, to work in a prison. Because you got to know what you're going into. Now, there are some that wear the smocks to cook like that. If you're a correction officer, they have uniforms. You know, hair in a bun, can't be down, flowing past your neck. Uh, you know, a lot of them wear the short sleeve shirts or, you know, the uniform shirts, but they'll wear like an undershirt that goes to their wrist. Hence, I was talking earlier about, you know, not seeing very much. Skin. You might see a woman's neck, face, and her, her hands in prison, and then you get out to all this crap. But uh, so you got all kind of different type of women. You got those that are correct officers. They can't really do anything with their uniforms. Unless you're one of the really inventive ones that take your shit to a tailor and have it seed up to accentuate every part of your body because that's happened. Uh, oh. But then you have teachers that wear smocks over their clothing. And then you have teachers that just wear loose clothing or loose fit clothing. And then you have the teachers that uh, dress like they're 
on the street, not in the prison. And you have the nurses that wear loose scrub tops and loose scrub pants and a doctor's jacket or a lab coat. And then you got the ones that go to the spray tan booth and, and put some different color paint on and spray their uniforms on when they come to work. You know what I'm saying? The, the, yeah, there's yeah. literally a whole range of, of clothing talks. But uh, there, a lot of women can come to a prison and get whatever attention it is that they want. Like where you were talking about earlier, like the women, you know, you can look at them and they don't even care anymore. It's like, you know, because they want that five seconds of attention or whatever. Uh, you can take the most bland, unattractive woman, put her in a prison setting, and she will walk out of them motherfucking doors every night feeling like a dime piece. Because <laughs> everybody is trying to get at her because she's a female. You know, whether it's just through for conversation, uh, if it's trying to, you know, get something going, trying to get a move going, or trying to get, you know, whatever variation there is. But women walk out of them fucking doors every night <laughs> exponentially increased in their in their uh, self-image, you know. Holy shit. So if you're an inmate, let's say uh, I'm an inmate or whatever, how do I get at, how do I eventually get to fuck a corrections officer? What? How do I do that? Okay. Uh, in my experience, uh, I have only known one female officer that was actively fucking more than one person. Like, because it's all based, it's just like in the real world. You develop a relationship and it, you know, comes, you know, goes from casual to romantic to intimate to physically. But there was a female officer at my previous facility prior to my release that had a train run on her in the kitchen. She was the kitchen uh, officer that oversaw the operation kitchen or whatever, security-wise. And uh, someone, and I knew, I mean, I, I did, you know, I would say I wasn't a participant or whatever, but like, because she normally worked the annex, but she worked that kitchen that day or whatever, but she was suspect to begin with by staff because of the way she was acting or whatever. But uh, a security personnel came in there to get what they call an out count sheet, which is the tally of the inmates that are going to be there for count time and noticed her doubled over, clutching her gut or something or stomach. And basically one thing led to another and they rolled the camera back and they with like seven different guys going in there at her vent people and they literally laid so much pipe in her that it busted her inside or bruised her up or whatever but so you you do have straight hoe trains like that but then most of the interaction is uh you know like a regular development of a relationship that progresses to physical intimacy or whatever but uh those are not as hard to find as you think but they're very selective they like what they like it's like you Holy but it, it, it does happen. It happens everywhere. It happens to every facility. Uh, now, I've heard rumors of the CCA facilities out uh, in West Tennessee that uh, have women employed there by affiliations just for the purpose of of that. You know what I'm saying? Doing their thing. Yeah. That's that, that's a that's a side hustle for them. They're, they're doing their damn thing. You know? Damn. Could, could you imagine what it's like, right? I mean, you were locked up for like 11 years. Man, you've been locked up for like five, six, seven years, right? You haven't seen a fucking pussy in seven years. And damn, man, you are just thirsting. And next thing you know, you come around the corner and you see this woman. She's getting a train ran on her. And she says, you come on, you're next. Yo, that would be the best sex <laughs> of my damn life. 
Yo, I couldn't even imagine. Uh, I'm I'm surprised more of her wasn't busted up because I tell you what, first of all, it would be very fast, right? I'd bust a nut in two seconds. But then, like, man, just the brutal ruthlessness, I would fuck this corrections officer. That's got to feel incredible, right? I, I, you know, I've got a little bit higher standards. I ain't about to run into nothing anybody's been in before me, at least within the last 24 hours, <laughs> if not a year. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to look, I'm trying to look for something that ain't fresh, freshly, you know, play off. Yeah. But yeah, I understand what you're saying. I mean, like most guys, absolutely, you know, nine out of 10 dudes would jump on the opportunity. Apparently everybody that's working in the kitchen that morning jumped on the opportunity. Yo, I feel like I would just have a whole new perspective on life that day, man. I got, I bust up that corrections officer. Yo, I, I would have a smile on my face. You couldn't, you could never uh, put me down that day. How often does sex happen in prison between inmates? Uh, more than I would like to know. Um, you see it? Oh, no, 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 no. Not, not witness it. But I mean, oh, okay. you, there are, there, there, there's homosexuals or I ain't trying to get into, I'm at least 12 years behind on all this gender equality or identity stuff. No disrespect to whatever it is you may or may not believe in. But yeah, when I say homosexuals, I mean people fucking people that are not the same biological sex they were born. With. That's what I mean by homosexual. So whether it be a men's prison or a women's prison, there's couple, there are literal couples in prison. I've seen it where they sell together and what they call married and all that kind of crap. Uh, and that's, that's the far end of it. The, the other end of it is the guys that are getting their dick sucked or fucking these pumps not wanting anybody else to know about it. And that's mm-hmm. fine and dandy because, you know, that's their fucking decision unless they're affiliated. And that is a really, really, really big no-no. I have seen the aftermath of some, like, if you're affiliated and you have to go to a pump sale, supposed to go escorted, you know, you're supposed to have one or two of your brothers go with you. That way there is no possible misunderstanding or conjecture about what was going on because you have a witness. You know, it's kind of like some in in some places, if you're affiliated or whatever, you have to have interaction with the police or the administration. You have to take, you know, a witness with you so that nobody can say you were snitching or whatever kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've seen I'll, in prison, you always know something's going to happen because it's quiet. Prison is never quiet. Prison is never fucking quiet. I don't care if it is three o'clock in the morning and everybody's locked down or most of the people were gone to school and work. Prison's never quiet. There's always noise, dominoes slapping, toilets flushing, murmuring, cards slap, you know, all that kind of stuff. So when I walked into the pod, uh, they have what they call shower security, uh, which is where the person is being escorted to the shower, like physically, like, you know, kind of like a protection detail that walks with them one on each side. They'll have somebody at the base of the staircase. They'll have somebody at the top of the staircase. And if their door is like more than a few away from the staircase, they'll have someone in the middle and then they'll have somebody standing there at the cell door to open the cell door and then the door can be shut behind them. So you basically have a protection detail if you're affiliated going to and from the shower because that's when you're most susceptible to violence because wearing flip-flops or shower shoes or whatever. So uh, I walked in and thought that there was some type of shower security scenario going on. So I'm listening as I walk in the pod, because everything's kind of dead or whatever, people aren't really moving around. I see people posted up kind of like shower security detail. And so I'm listening for the shower because showers well, at, my, at that prison were very loud because you could hear them hitting the curtains, a lot of water pressure. 
I didn't hear anything. And I peeked around the corner, didn't all the doors were cracked open on the shower. So I tell nobody was in them. And I said, everything's straight. And they're like, yeah, you good. Go ahead and go back to your cell. Go with, you know, whatever. And so I'm, as I'm walking in, I'm walking up the opposite steps because I see the guys posted up on the rail. I thought they were getting ready to be shower skirt. Well, as I get to the top of my steps and turning towards my cell, I hear a door pop open. And then when that door popped open, I'm talking about it was like something out of a fucking Shriners circus car. Like there's already eight guys in the pod standing around doing security type mannerism behaviors. I'm talking about doors opened up and 30 motherfuckers come out of nowhere and snatch this motherfucker as he was saying bye to the faggot after doing whatever he was doing. They literally beat this motherfucker and, and threw him down the stairs because he was in there getting his dick sucked or fucking or getting fucked or. You know, oh, that's another thing. Oh, my God. So homosexuality is not that big of a deal in prison. You know, it's just as in society, it's accepted or whatever. Uh, but you would be surprised. You know, I really don't see the difference, but I've literally heard the phrase from the guy getting beaten, thrown down the stairs. I was just getting my dick sucked. Just getting my dick sucked. <laughs> I was just getting my dick sucked. That's to, it. That's, that's all I was doing. I was just getting my dick sucked. Like, like, literally, the last thing you probably said was the full teeth of mouth. Uh, but, uh, or full amounts of teeth, sorry. Uh, but there are guys that are the men of the den, the early of the burly, the man's man, the fucking, you know, got a badass wife, you know what I'm saying? Got two different chicks that comes and sees him every other weekend and works out on the weight pile. That is a motherfucking loves to take the fucking dick. Loves to take it. There's loves something about it. it. I mean, loves to fucking take it. You know what I'm saying? I was like, cause you know, I observed. I, like I said, in prison, there are no secrets because you're just, it don't matter if you're in a gymnasium size area or you're in a pot area that's, you know, the size of a, a firework stand. You know what I'm saying? It, it's like there is, you observe everything. There's nothing that goes unnoticed. Can't get away with anything, at least it being observed. Uh, but uh, so we're sitting around and playing some game at the table and I notice this person go to this person's cell and I'm like, damn. I was like, dude's going to get his dick sucked. I'm just making a lighthearted joke. You know, it ain't. Technically, we shouldn't even be talking about it because it ain't all business. But men are bigger fucking gossips than women, at least in prison. I'm talking about, dude, prison is nothing but a fucking... I can only imagine the women's prison. Like, uh, not to be stereotypical, but men talk nothing but fucking cash shit and gossip and what is he doing and all that kind of shit. But also, I, I was guilty of it as much as anybody else. Like, oh, da-da-da-da's going to get his dick sucked. And they're like, no, nah, you don't know. I'm like, no, what? They're like, no. Nah. He's in there fucking getting fucked. And I was like, what? And they were like, yeah. Yeah. He don't, he, he ain't getting his dick sucked. He don't suck dick. He's in there getting fucking dick down. I'm like, you're so fucking full. I mean, like, you could have told me anything else than that and I'd have been like, all right. But I'm, but yeah, I mean, so everybody's got their thing, man. Everybody's got their thing. Damn. So pe- people don't even bat an eye. So would they, would they think that, let's say this big, burly buff guy is getting fucked? Where people think, oh, he's a bitch. He's not really that tough. Oh no, 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 no. Because no. people, people normal. ain't that fuck. People ain't that fucking dumb. I mean, like if <laughs> if you've got fucking uh, fucking, I don't know. I'm fucking out of time uh, with my references. But like Con Air, if you got Cyrus the virus, just because he's skinny, you know what yeah. the fuck his rep is. You know what the fuck he's done. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You ain't gonna fuck with. Him. But like just because he likes taking his ass. Don't mean that he won't beat your ass because they had they had punks like, like look punks got to know how to fight Chris because everybody's trying to fuck him. everybody's trying to get their dicks up so they're they're always being 
you know, they're, they're, they're a bigger target than, than a fresh fish or a young 18 year old white kid that's never been to prison. They are bigger targets than that because they're known to go. They're, they're homosexual. So they, they, people assume that, you know, they, they want to suck whoever's dick. They want to get fucked by whoever kind of thing. So they're, I've seen some, some look like Ethiopian. And I'm not talking about, you know, skinny black kid. This, this is a white, white guy that was looked like a anorexic long distance runner. Hair through two freaking guys that were trying to bump down on them to, to fuck them or get their dick sucked or whatever. So, I mean, like, you, you can't ever underestimate anybody because even if you think you know what they're there for, you don't know what they're willing to do. Just, you know, because everything is potentially, uh, life threatening or, or to the point of life or death. When it comes to altercations in prison, you have to realize going into it that it could be a life or death situation because any one of those fights that I had gotten in or the altercations or whatever could have easily gone that direction real quick. Because what if I got the upper hand and they didn't like it? Or what if I got the, you know, the upper hand and, uh, and I did something to it? Cause you never know what your opponent's going to do because you're in prison. You know what I'm saying? This the guards ain't trying to break up a fight. They like seeing that. Now the cameras kind of push them to enter, you know, engage and try to, to break up fights, but guards ain't trying to break up fights. They want to go home. They don't want to smell like pepper spray. They don't want to cough. They don't want to fucking have the shit on them. You know, they got families to get back to. And it's fights are entertainment. Any kind of drama is entertainment because there is no new stimuli except television or, you know, drama that is created by the inmates. So everybody likes to see a fight. But you have to be careful because you it it could I've seen a guy I got into a fist fight with uh two years later Someone knocked his dentures out. This man was three months or two months from going home. They'd been locked up like 40 years. And because he had that prison mentality of can't let nothing go because someone will perceive me as a bitch now because I got my teeth knocked out. Uh, it didn't help that the guy he was fighting that he had fought and had knocked his dentures out was running around clacking them together like the uh, old wind up <laughs> dentist teeth. Damn. Talking about, I got to see yet That probably didn't help this guy, but Damn. the guy that I'm talking about, let's say, let's call him uh, Tom. Tom got his teeth knocked out, and Joe was running around making fun of, look whose teeth I got, and, you know, clacking around saying, hey, talk to Tom, talk to Tom, Tom will talk back to you, that kind of shit. Well, dude didn't know how to process that healthfully because he had been locked up for years. He was two months from going home. He went and got a knife. Tom went and got a knife and attacked Joe, Joe not only beat the shit out of Tom, took the shank or the knife from him, and killed him on the basketball court. And uh, two months before this guy was to go home, he initiated a fight with a weapon because he was so disrespected, so mistreated, and so embarrassed or whatever that he had to go handle his business because he could not look like a fucking bitch in front of people. He died in prison, so he didn't look like a bitch. You know what happened to Joe? What? He's going to do five years on max, no street charges, and he'll, he'll get a he'll get a write up for assault, assault or death by weapon because they tend to like to keep stuff in house in prison because any publicity that literal publicity that comes in to the news is bad publicity unless it's like something extravagantly awesome happens. Uh, but they don't want what happens in prison walls getting outside the prison walls. So. When an officer is caught fucking the inmate, even though it's right by an authority figure, just lose their job. Now, if you 
combine sex with dope, all your ass is going to jail. They're they're going to take you to the local jail. If you get caught, they're going to perp walk you or do the walk of shame to where uh, they might not even mention the sex, but they're going to mention the fact that you were bringing dope in because that's good publicity. We called another one. We called another dirty copper. We called another dirty kitchen worker. Sorry, I'm rambling. No, no, you're good. So that is that. I think that's the craziest story I've heard in a month. So this guy, I mean, but if you were to kind of take his side, what were his options just to let this guy continue to, you know, make fun of him for weeks or. Oh man, it's, it's, if, if you have that much ego and, and a lot of people, okay. Like I, I talked about earlier, bitch is a trigger word or it was for a long time. And you can call me even from day one, man. I don't, I roll different than a lot of people. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? I really don't care what you think. I don't care if you think I'm a patsy. I don't care if you think I'm suspect. I don't care if you think I'm a fucking arrogant piece of shit. You know, I know what I know. I feel what I feel. But I'm trying to do me. I'm not worried about impressing any of y'all. Because ain't none of y'all on my level, and I'm not on y'all's level. That's not a tear down or a pull up. I'm just, we're on different different levels of shit. But, uh, so I roll different. So, I would have sucked it up. I would have been embarrassed. I've had to walk around with a black eye. You know what I'm saying? You don't, I don't win every fight I'm in. So, you know, a black eye ain't nothing to be ashamed of. It just signifies that you fucking either handled your business or you got handled. Uh, but there was probably for him and his situation, there was probably nothing he could, he did what he had to do, what he felt he had to do. Uh, I guess he probably was, once he got that knife, he, you know, Tom felt like, you know, he was going to go handle his business. And if he had to stick this motherfucker and get a few more years out of it, he was cool with that because he was not going to get treated like a bitch and get made fun of. And because that's how he probably proceeded, you know, when it's added insult to injury, you know, if, if he would have got his teeth back, it probably would have been done deal because, you know, I don't know about you, but a lot of prior to or prison or whatever, some of the guys that I had altercations with ended up being some of my best friends. Cause once you get that dumb testosterone shit out of the way, Hell and yeah. y'all, y'all got, you know what I'm saying? Well, it's kind of like that in prison sometimes, but a lot of different factors interfere with that bonding kind of, you know, different affiliations or whatever, whatever. But it's, it's, it's hard, man. I only had, I was in prison six years before I really felt like I had anybody that I would consider a friend. And, uh, so it's hard because everybody has an angle. I mean, they do in life, but in there, everybody is trying to get something from somebody. It's just like breathing. You know what I'm saying? Like a fish breathes in water. It just, it's natural instinct to try to get something out of somebody. So I kept everybody at arm's distance. So, I mean, I was locked up probably eight years before I considered I had myself a friend. Holy shit. Yeah. Do you, do you think that prison works? So we, we send quote unquote, you know, criminals to prison so that they won't be criminals anymore. Do you think it works? Uh, worked for me, uh, <laughs> uh, but I wanted it to work. Uh, I don't think that the current system and look, there ain't no easy fix. I'll be the first to you know, say it because I'm not, I'm not educated. I, I didn't spend my time wisely in regards to furthering my education or, or getting book smarts or getting degrees or anything like that, even though I had time to do it, but, uh, I'm lazy like that. But, um, you first off, like, Prison is a warehousing. Uh, you're there is it's not corrections. It's warehouse. Uh, now in the last twenty or thirty years, started bringing programs in like general education and vocational classes. Oh, that was good in the eighties and nineties, but it's twenty twenty three. Uh, the prison I I was released from actually had a coding class, 
I, I didn't participate in it because it was on the main compound and I was at the annex. But, uh, you know, programs, education, things that can make you money. This is something that I really want to talk about. Things that can set you up to reduce the risk of recidivism for yourself. Because, look, I had a whole lot of, well, not a whole lot, a whole lot of money to some people. I had some money when I got out of prison. Had I not had, I'd much rather had my mom, obviously, but had I not had the money from my mom or the money from this other place that magically I had, uh, I'd be fucked up right now because uh, I, I work for a prison program called Tricor. And uh, basically, they do industrial things at different prisons. Like one prison makes clothing for the prisons and one one at another prison, they make the mats and bed sheets and stuff like that. And in another place, they do this, that, and other. Uh, last place I was at had a 2,200-acre commercial farm. And uh, that program is phenomenal. It uh, Most prison pay tops out at 50 cents an hour. Uh, there's usually three tiers. The tiers are like 17, 24, 34, 34, 42, 50, that kind of thing. So uh, about the most you're going to make in prison is 50 cents an hour, whether you're cooking Weed eating on the side of the road, or weed eating or mowing the grass in, inside the facility. Shock War is a program where they give you behavioral uh, betterment classes, stuff like thinking for a change, uh, stuff like that. But they pay you either production, like you'll get a base pay of a dollar an hour, plus how you get a piece of the profit making these clubs. Uh, like during COVID, we made masks for all the facilities in Tennessee. And any local agency that wanted masks for their jail. So, like, we, we shifted gears from, it was kind of like the war effort back in World War II where they shut down the, uh, the, the car line and started assembling, you know, airplanes or whatever. Tricor came in and said, this is all we're going to do until they tell us to stop. They want a million masks kind of thing. So we started made maybe like a thousand masks the first week between 50 guys on these, you know, these are full commercial production sewing machines and different type of sewing uh, equipment or whatever. So we went from like a thousand masks the first week to once we were rocking and rolling, we were doing 12,000 masks uh, a week, but you know, we got a percentage of that. Like, and so they split that. So that program started to sidetrack. That program is about the best thing they got going on in Tennessee prison because they have a forced savings program where you can contribute uh, 15, 25 or 35% of your pay that goes into a savings account that cannot be touched for any reason. It, until you're released or you're dead. That's the only two ways you can touch that money. Uh, so they force you to save some of your money. I think it's great. I think they should have made the uh, percentages a little higher. Uh, but, you know, about a year and a half of working for Tricor, I saved up like 800 bucks. Wow. Now, just imagine if I didn't have any money and no support system, no support structure, no living family, no nothing. And the only thing I would have walked out of prison was with was $800 and, and parole. I'd be seriously stressed the fuck out, man, because the reentry services that the prisons provide are like cookie cutter or I don't know, or looks good on paper, but not in not in actuality or something. I don't know. They they do what they can. I get it. There's but they they have something has to be better because had it not been I don't know if I can say that because I still might be I'm on parole, so I don't know if I uh, don't say it, it, please. Not, yeah, yeah. <laughs> had it not been for the assistance of someone whose responsibility it was not, I would not be talking to you at this point. It might be a month or two down the line because there were people 
that tried to help me when it came to getting halfway house information and, and getting stuff lined up, they tried to help. That's all they could do was try. There was, they did what they could. The next person did. And it shouldn't be like that. Uh, you know, the process wasn't, I never was eligible for parole. So the entire time I was in prison, I never learned a single thing about good time credits. I never learned anything about halfway houses or what to expect when you're released or because I knew when I was getting out. Of I knew I was getting out Sunday, September 6, 2026. I think it's a Sunday. I knew when I was getting out because I had 100% sentence. So I knew I was getting out September 6, 2026. And so I was going to start planning better in about a year from now. Start getting stuff lined up. Uh, even after my mom passed, you know, I, I had to come up with a different game to fall back online. But uh, the reentry services, man, something's got to be done. But to go back to your original question, the prisons work. They're working better because they're realizing that you can't just throw a motherfucker in prison and expect anything better out of them after releasing them if you don't do something with us while we're in there. Because all you're going to do is stagnate. Most people don't do what I did where you learned your lesson prior to getting there and you wanted to better yourself. You had to put down the old ways, but you can't put down the old ways. Most people can't because it's a shitty-ass place. I would have loved to have gotten high and ignored all the fact that I did everything that got me there. That would have been real fucking good. It would have been real good not to have to think the shame that I felt for, you know, cooking dope in my backyard where my wife and kids were in the front house or the fact that, uh, you know, I chose drugs over my family or the fact that, you know, I, I, I threw everything away for an addiction. Uh, I'm kind of sensitive, kind of butt sore or, or uh, I don't know what a better term would be about addiction or whatever, about when I, you know, I don't like to use the excuse, oh, it was an addiction, or like I said about that whole self-medicating thing, I don't want to to tone down. I want to accept my accountability for the drug. Like, I knew, I tried. I tried. I, tried, I did try to stop. You know, I used the excuse that my wife separated and took, I mean, like, look, look, man, when my wife found out that not only was I doing drugs, but manufacturing them in the backyard, he did what anybody else in their logical mind should have done. At the time that I'm talking to her on the fucking jail phone, she's lining up three men in a truck or two men in a truck. She literally packed up the fucking kids, packed the house, got out of it. I think she bonded me out, maybe, because I remember getting out. So, I mean, it was either her or my mom or somebody, but she literally took the kids and ran. Thank God I had a fucking, uh, uh, I had, a, I had a great wife, you know, uh, strong mother to our kids. So thankfully she was the level headed, but she, she took the first thing smoking when she found out how bad it was. And, and that was a very smart and prudent move on her part. I had no ill will or nothing. I got nothing but love for her. Uh, why, what, why not? Listen, I would be so pissed. I would be like, listen, I married you. Yeah. I lied to you about some shit, but I'm here. I'm at my most sensitive time. I need help. And you're going to run off. You didn't, you didn't have like maybe a thought uh, that she would stick uh, with you for these 10 years. Okay. No, no. Well, it's 15, but no, no, this was prior to me getting arrested for, I, this was when, when she packed up and took off the kids that started our separation, that was when she found out that I was doing and selling and making drugs. Uh, I used that catalyst as the excuse for my spiral down the hole. All the kids are gone. She's taking the kids. I know I'm going to get a divorce. You know, I did it a whole pity me, woe is me, I can't get nothing right, I might as well just keep getting high, you know, because 
you know, dope is a great escapism if you're trying to escape into more fucking shit. I mean, that, you know, <laughs> they don't tell you that. That ain't, that ain't on the side of the fucking, the buddy or the glass pipe that you're smoking your dope off of. You know, don't come with a little FDA warning saying, this just makes it worse, I promise. You know, <laughs> but, uh, but that's what I did. I used that age old, uh, I got problems, so I'm just going to keep getting high. So that's why, you know, I've taken all those bad, horrible things that I'm ashamed of in the past. Uh, and I use that as my foundation and my spurring to, to, to do right, to be right. That's where the core of my, I'm back to the core of my honesty. You know, like I always said, I hate confrontation. I don't know why I'm always having to deal with confrontation. That was a fucking lie because I didn't live a conflict free lifestyle. I was being trike one. I'm running around doing this with this person, this person, having to lie about that person and doing this and doing this and hustling this and, and, and wondering why I'm in freaking confrontation all the time. Why is this person fucking acting tripping up? Why is this person busting me out with my wife? Why, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, yeah. we're all full of haters, man. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but now it's, it's great because now I'm, I don't have any of those distractions. Like I have no qualms about saying that I'm going to this festival tomorrow with this person and going to spend some time with them. And then I'm going to come hang out with you. I don't have to hide any of that shit. Look, man, between me, you and whoever's listening. I've been out of prison two weeks and two days. You know how much pussy I've had? How much? Zero. Fuck. The only thing I have been focused on, driver's license, tags, title, insurance. Uh, I'm trying to do CDL school, so I'm going through probably, I, I don't think the FBI does a biggest background check as, as this truck driving company I'm trying to work for. I'm waiting to hear back. But if that doesn't pan out, then I'm going to shift gears into temporary work until I can get in, into school with the next semester so I can go to truck driving school. But I ain't focused on pussy, man. I know it's fucking crazy. I was a sex town. I was a straight fucking whore. I was a dope man. I made my own drugs. So therefore, I had shit on call. You know what I'm saying? I went from all of that to 4,251 days in prison. Now, mind you, I want it. I want it bad. It's in, back of, in any of the back of my head all the time. It's like, I'll take a sip of water. I want some pussy. You know what I'm saying? Okay. But it ain't my priority. Most guys, I had 72 hours to show up at my halfway house. I had a fat ass motherfucking key size or key suite at a at, at a hotel. I spent the night with my brother the first night, handled the business. He actually he drove me around for like three days. He's awesome guy. But uh, you know, I should have got a fucking whore. That's what everybody was telling me. I'm talking to people that I thought that that have been released from prison. I'm chatting on the phone. They're like, dude, you got somebody coming over. I'm like, man, I just want to be fucking alone, man. When you've been around motherfuckers you don't want to be around for eleven years, to me, the biggest thing is to be with your fucking self. Now now all that might change because I've handled a business. I'm tagged, titled an insurance, and ready to work. So I might shift gears, man. But yeah, it's I, I'm still fucking celibate. I mean, it's I mean, it ain't nothing to be ashamed of or nothing to not be proud of. But it's it is kind of shocking with who I used to be. And most guys get out of prison, get a steak, and get some pussy. I got some steak, and I wasn't worried about the pussy because I was no, handling it, the listen, business. It, it's, so, it's something to be proud of. Like, it's, it's not something to be ashamed of. I just think I'm saying like I I couldn't. I don't understand how you have so much damn self-control because honestly, I probably would have came out. I probably would have tried to pick up a prostitute. She would have been a cop and I'd be in jail right now if I were oh, you. Oh, look, so it's, three, a, it's an admirable thing. Look, three, three days out or maybe it was maybe it was a week out. I was uh, getting my tags and I had been dropped off. I hadn't figured Uber out. I was in an area that I knew pretty well. And uh, I was like, well, fuck it. I'm going to put it. 
and go down here to this local barbecue restaurant that I want to try out anyway, because I hadn't had it in, you know, 12 years or whatever. As I'm walking down past the Burger King, you come to a major intersection near the interstate and, you know, there's, there's girls, there's, there is women of the night and it is broad daylight. You know what I'm saying? And it is, I see the pattern. You know, I recognize every scenario that is happening. This chick that's sent in from the Burger King in the sundress with the Hufflepuff with the big tits and, and, and the dark skin and the brunette curly hair that was like made for me with a rolling suitcase and the phone in her hand. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, that's the one. <laughs> she is ready to fucking go, man. And I'm sitting here thinking, fuck going and get some barbecue. Let me download this fucking Uber app and go holler at this bitch. You know, that's literally what I was. I was like, oh, God, why are you fucking tipping me? You know, I've got like three grand in cash on me. You know, I got a cell phone that that is more advanced than the fucking the shuttle. And I still ain't downloaded Uber or whatever. And so I panic. I'm sitting here looking at this chick and I'm like, man, and it, that ain't just one. There's another one right over there at the Exxon. There's another one right over there, you know, and it's like, I, I gotta get the fuck out of this neighborhood where I fucking get some venereal disease and locked up because she's a cop. You know, that's, that's yeah. my look. I'm at, look, I'm out on executive clemency. The governor put his stamp on me to let me out of prison and I get arrested a week out. And see, like, I'm so paranoid about this stuff because I heard that it's not like patronizing prostitution or whatever anymore. It's like uh, a sex trafficking charge for the Johns now or whatever or some crap. It's like, participation in, in human trafficking or something that don't sound cool to me you know like i could almost get away with patronizing uh prostitution like it has a nice ring to it but nowadays <laughs> it's like uh uh enabler of a of human trafficking or something that don't sound good at all that sounds like a lot of time in prison to me yo but. fuck that hey we need to set up a service because if i'm a chick you know who I want to get fucked by? I want to get fucked by a dude who just got out of jail, who's been in jail for 10 years. I mean, this guy is thirsty for some puss. I mean, could you imagine? Same thing here. Like, well, we should set up a service of women who are trying to serve their country and just give a <laughs> inmate who's fresh out, just give him a little bit of puss. He's probably not going to last long. And it, But you are going to make that guy so fucking happy. And we could do it for the for the women, too, who are getting out. I mean, come on! Someone needs to give my guy Wesley just a little bit of puss. I mean, oh, no, damn! I, 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 I oh dear God, I don't want it. It comes. Look, this it it ties into my whole getting shit done because I'm not gonna lie. Every guy that I know that I still maintain contact with that got out of prison is literally with, and it, it is nothing wrong with it. But they are still with the first person that gave them a hug. You know what I'm saying? They got a hug, it slipped in, and they're in a relationship. I literally don't have time for that. I, I was. At least 10 years of addiction plus the 12 years in prison or whatever. I'm at least 20 years behind on. I have barely no, I have a truck. That's my asset. I've got some money in some, some, I got some financial means that are, that are there. That is my asset. I don't have a house. I don't have an apartment. I don't have a job. I'm not in school. I don't, you know, I have prospects. I'm still trying to figure out my path forward from here, whether which route it's going to go, but pussy is going to fucking hamper that. You know what I'm saying? I might as well be getting a little high. If I could get away with being high, I might as well be getting a little high but, and, and, and putting shit on the back burner. I can't put, I think that's going to, you know, I don't knock anybody. I de trust me. I definitely want to have sex, but I know that that would be inhibiting me from the progress that I made. I've been out of prison two weeks. Uh, I won't talk to them about it by name, but a guy that got out a day after me, we clicked up same prison, same halfway house. He didn't have anybody in the state, uh, I don't want to demean him by saying I took him under my wing, but uh, I took it upon myself to make sure that 
he's right there with me. We'll say, you know what I'm saying? He ain't wanted for nothing. Uh, and, and, but he, less than two weeks out of prison, he is a general manager, got a job as, I'm talking about seven years in prison. Sight unseen is now a general, res- general manager of a restaurant. Just started the other day. Uh, we both got vehicles. A little hiccup with his vehicle, but we're we're gonna work it out. But uh, you know, we made more progress in the first two weeks of getting out than most guys do in three months. You know, there's guys that leave the halfway house that might not have a driver's license still. Definitely don't even have a car. We got all that. Now I'm I'm the ugly duckling of the, of our pair because I'm not employed yet, but I haven't really started looking because I'm got my fingers crossed for this company. But uh, which I'll name drop one day if they ever get, if they give me the job, but. <laughs> uh, but I mean, like we're, we're doing it and, and I, the reason I think that is other than spiritual aspect is because we're staying focused on the business. Yeah. The pleasure will come. You know what I'm saying? The pleasure will come. It, it will come one way or the other. It, it'll happen. But we were so goal oriented on getting this stuff accomplished. That, like I said, I mean, we're might be further along than some people are a year after they get, you know what I mean? Like we, I mean, we're just, we're just doing it and I want to be a success. I don't want to, I'm not going to fall back into old patterns like drug use or anything like that. That's, that's a non-starter. For me. I don't even like talking about it. People that know me from the past are like, well, what are you going to, you know, you're going to do? And I was like, don't fucking insult me. I literally take it as a personal fucking affront when someone questions my sincerity or fucking whatever the right word is about not fucking off no more with drugs. Uh, but Everything goes back to pussy, man. Yeah, I'm ready. Because I'm about, if, if, <laughs> if I got a job and it's been a week and I ain't had pussy, then it ain't for sale somewhere in Memphis, I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I don't blame you. I, I just, yo, I admire your damn self-control because I know these things have got to be going through your head, but you're just like, man, you just really are like the model citizen of you know, getting out of prison and doing it the right fucking way. So congratulations. I just, I just don't understand how some of these people get out of prison. And like you said, they have nothing like what, what are you supposed to do? Okay. I got out of prison. I have nothing. You know, you have nowhere to stay. I don't have a job. You can't get a job. Oh, cause you're a felon. Like what the fuck are these people supposed to do except go back to crime? Well, that, that's what they want. I mean, it, it's, it's prison is like, you know, it is a cash register, you know, just like the, there will always be a need for liquor stores and, and, and prisons, you know, like when times are bad, both of them are full. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so, but the thing about it is, uh, we got, you know, obviously my fault getting off on a different tangent, but prison will work, but it takes, I think it's going to take, it's, it'll be a generational thing before you start seeing statistics bumping down in a recognizable or knowledgeable uh, increment because got got to start in school at a young age because in my town right now they got twelve year old kids carjacking wearing ankle monitors and and running people over and 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 armed carjacking so I mean that's you've already been arrested once this week and this is all within like a, a, a five day period got arrested went to juvenile court got fingerprinted or whatever they do to juveniles put an ankle monitor on you and now you're out doing it again in less than a week. I mean, that's, that's bad. You know, it's, it's because a lot of their dads are in prison. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's because of, you know, the family life. It's because of, uh, societal 
tendencies or, you know, the way things are going now. But like, I don't blame just the parents. I blame the schools. I, I blame the kids themselves. I, I blame, you know, everybody that should have a part in it because give us something, give the people that are leaving prison a means to make the means. Because if you go out and go to a halfway house and you get you a fucking even, I mean, it's crazy. You can go make chicken sandwiches at Chick-fil-A for $18 an hour. That to me is crazy, even as the expensive thing is. But, you know, so you start doing that while you're at the halfway house. You don't have a vehicle. Well, your time's up between 90, some some programs are 90 days, some are six months, some are a year or whatever. But you're, you know, you get a grant to where they pay for your housing. I did not do the grant because I'm not a petty motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> Because a lot of people don't realize and they don't care, but I researched once I became aware that I was about to be getting out of prison, I went head first into knowing everything is about parole, about getting out of prison, what to expect. And it was a, a cram section, but there was a grant given every year for free housing. It's called an RHP grant. Uh, basically, I don't know what the acronym stands for, but it's basically they pay for your halfway house for like the first three months. Now, I don't have the mentality of, man, they got 11 years of my life. I need everything free that I can get. Uh, so I didn't take the grant because, well, to be honest, the reason I didn't take the grant is I thought it was going to take too long to process. I wanted to go to this halfway house. So I said, I've got cash. And that's how I handled it. That was the motivating factor. But after the fact, it was a two-part thing. I was like, that's cool because I'm not taking money because that money runs out. Fiscal year in Tennessee starts in July and ends in June. That money is usually gone by the end of May. So if you're getting out in June, well, you're fucked until the, you're going to sit an extra three weeks, four weeks in prison until the budget re-ups the grant. So it was a good thing. It was, that was not a, my original intention, but you know, that's how it fell. But, uh, so you get here, you're doing your thing. Let's say you're doing everything you can. They, uh, there's a program here in, uh, Tennessee or in Shelby County called the Shelby County Office of Reentry. They, uh, provide you with bus passes and things to get you going. They're like a hub. They are not the resource center. Like you can't get all the resources there, but they're, they're like, I don't know what the term is nowadays. Like they do all the networking for you. You know, like yeah. you go here to do this, you go here to do this, you go here to do this. That's that place. Now to me, it would almost make too much sense to find a big ass fucking empty building that there's plenty of in Memphis that are on the bus lines. Cause buses are a big thing in Memphis and put all these fucking resources in one place. So, you know, you're not riding four hours anyway. You know, I could harp. I told you in, in the email, I could harp on reentries and recidivism forever because this shit ain't right. Like, you know, this is a major metropolitan area and it's it, you're set up for failure. You know, when you leave prison, they give you a state ID, uh, a birth certificate and a Social Security card. And that's if the reentry services at your local prison are on top of the shit. Because by law in Tennessee... You have to leave prison with a state ID, but they want you to leave with, you know, the stuff it takes to get other things going. So if you don't have a reentry service that is on top of shit, you'll be lucky to leave with an ID. But uh, I think that everything needs to be integrated. You know, there's no point in having it's almost like a waste or waste to me. It's like a waste of resources to have this this centralized hub that's supposed to be the office of reentry that are providing all these networking things. I don't need to fucking network. Y'all need to, this needs to be a, look, we got a mall that's bankrupt, that's about to get shut down, that's got all this space. Put, make it a freaking government building, put the DNB in here, put the child support, how to line up, you know, to start getting right, put the, 
the, the resume builders here, put the classes here on how to fucking, you know, mop or run a forklift. I mean, like, there is money in it. It will take money. But nobody wants to pay to have prisoners taken care of felons after their release. These are the motherfuckers that are about to be robbing your ass this fucking weekend because, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? That, that's what it boils down to. That's, that's what recidivism is. You're put in such a bad spot that you had nothing to resort to except your old pattern. But if they change that fucking pattern in prison and continue reinforcing that new learned behavior that you picked up, of course, not everything you pick up in prison is bad, but it really would be better if they modernized what they're doing with the vocation programs. Like, there ain't no reason why everybody that leaves in prison, if you ain't got $10,000 minimum when you walk out the door of prison, you're coming back. That's, that's, that, that, that might be a little stretch. Because it takes $10,000 to, at bare minimum, going through a halfway house program, let's say you work three months or six months or whatever it is, got to have money for a vehicle. Yep. Even if you're utilizing the bus, you can't count on it to get you to work on time or where exactly you need to go. So you need money for at least to get you towards a vehicle or at least get you into a place. Because if you, if you don't have a place to live and the utilities to turn on, you can deal without a vehicle. You can catch the bus or ride a, one of the, man, they got these little fucking bikes everywhere, these little scooters that you like touch with your phone and you rent yeah. for 20 I mean, dude, it, it's like, I feel like George, but, oh, this is funny note. I, I meant to tell you this earlier. I have a friend that refers to me as Kimmy Schmidt. I didn't know what the fuck she was talking about. You know, I, I thought, I thought she was saying Jimmy, but I like Googled it. It's some chick that was in a bomb shelter or a cult or something and come out <laughs> and was like, oh, look at all the tall buildings and the telephone. <laughs> yeah, so, so like, it's a running joke. She calls me Kimmy Schmidt all the time, but I feel more like fucking Encino man. Do you know what I mean? It, it, yeah. It's like, but it's, it's, but, uh, like I said, I can harp on reentry. I, I think that as big a business as corrections is, you don't need for us to fail and recidivate because there's retards lined up waiting to take the bed space. So you don't have to worry about the return of business. Set us up for, I mean, like I said, man, set, train us, motivate us, educate us because there is a different path. Now, not everybody's going to be like me. I, like I said, I, I predominantly stayed sober while I was in prison. Uh, but I'd never messed with any of the drugs that I used to mess with. No cocaine, heroin, fentanyl, weed, all that kind of crap. Meth, whatever. Uh, but not everybody's going to be able to, to stay straight in prison because it's a lot to fucking take you. You know, I would not be remiss if I had slipped my fucking wrist. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Because what I did was fucking horrible, soul-crushing. You know, when I sat up there on the stand and, and the judge was going over my rights as I pled guilty instead of taking it to trial or whatever, and was like, you understand this, this, and this. And I was like, I, I remember sounding pitiful as a motherfucker. I said, you sure it has to be at 15, 15 years at 100%? It can't be. That's the minimum that they allow. And I said, signed on the line. I ain't going to lie, man. I made it about 15 feet out of the courtroom into the security tunnel. And I was sobbing, snot running down my nose, man. It, it, but after about five, well, no, probably not five minutes, probably three or four minutes or whatever, but I got up, wiped off, went back to the cell, and was like, man, they hit me, and I went and did my time. Not everybody can do that. So train us. Give us something to live for. You know what I mean? Like, Because a lot of us didn't have that. I did. I had I had a mother that I never even wondered what it was like not to have a father because I had so much love coming from my mother. That's how awesome the leader she was. But uh, not everybody even had that. They were raised by their grandmother or their aunt or their older sibling or something. Give us yeah. something to strive for, to hope for, because getting out of prison, other than the fact that you're getting out, is more stress than being in prison for some people. 
Yeah. You know, because they don't have anything. They know that they're going to have to go out there and they're going to, you know, they're not thinking about getting a driver's license or a car, or they might be thinking about materialistic shit, but they're not thinking about six months down the line, much less a year. I'm thinking five. I'm trying to think 10 years because I've already got a whole thing with my credit, building my credit, get secured loans and all that kind of stuff. I'm working on all that because I had a game plan because I realized I was getting out of prison one day and I did not want to come back. And not everybody's got that. Not everybody has that ability. But there is a way to give every single person that is going to step out of prison same ability as I had. Maybe not the exact, you know, amounts or whatever, but there's a way to train us up. You know, there's there, there's the way, it's like leading a horse to water. You can train us. You can do all that. That's all great. These programs are great. But there will always be people that fuck it up or, you know, will never tape to it or whatever. But if you give us the opportunity, we're getting out. We're going to be standing next to you at Joseph A. Banks thousand dollar suit store you know what i'm saying because i've been there this week you know what i mean it, it's like it happens we're gonna be next to you at the movie theater we're gonna be the guy like i walked in the target i made a mistake on an item i said hey man please go check this i think i got overcharged he was like yeah go ahead i came back went through this whole spiel it's like i think it's 1999 thank the 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 shelf says it's 27 she she pulled out her phone scanning she goes well my phone says it's 21 i was like that's better than 27 i'll take i ain't worried about the two dollar difference we got over to customer service and she goes and she rang it up for 19.99 i was like oh you did that she's like yeah honey she was like you you were nothing but nice to me she goes that she goes i was like what do you mean she goes you ain't yelling and cussing at me about the price being fucked up and i was like people do that she goes i get cussed out all day every day this is a target in a nice neighborhood i'm like that's fucked up man society has gone the fucking whack you know what it is is y'all motherfuckers that ain't been in prison, that ain't done a fucking decade over some dumb shit, don't appreciate what you got. But I'm like walking around, yes, ma'am, thank you, ma'am, yes, sir, you know, <laughs> and, and like, you know, showing respect to everybody, you know what I mean? But it's like, that's crazy that people are cussing out. Like, I know everybody has a bad day. I worked at, behind the store at a convenience center, and occasionally somebody fucked something up or their card wasn't working right, and they were talking and they want to get mad at me. I know it, I didn't think it personal. I'm standing in McDonald's, and like, everything is I'm standing in there not knowing you're supposed to like had done something on your phone and scanned a, a code or something and ordered from the app or I had no idea. So we're standing there like five minutes not knowing what's going on. And some woman come up out of nowhere and started cussing somebody out because of ketchup on a burger or something. I mean, like, you know, you really, I mean, like, really, you're cussing somebody out over fucking ketchup not being in the bag or something when it's easy to just say, hey, can I get some ketchup for you? You know what I'm saying? It, it just, yeah. I, I, think, I think people need to slow down. Uh, you know, I've got sidetracked again, but so much stuff to fucking notice, man. It, it blows my mind, like how quick people are to, to freak out. And I don't think it's called for. But then again, you know, I'm 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 wide eyed and starstruck. I'm like a a, a maiden elf going through the, the forest glade because I just <laughs> I'm fresh out of prison, so everything's new, bright, and shiny and fresh. But yeah, guys getting no, out of prison, man. And, and, and I think uh, not to cut you off, I think that this is why it's so awesome to talk to you because yeah, I ain't never been to prison and yeah, I take advantage of a lot of shit. I don't cuss people out at McDonald's, but uh, I I think a lot of people are, they're just comfortable. They take advantage of everything. It seems like people just in general, this people, people don't treat people like other people anymore. They treat people like shit all the time. And maybe people listening to your experience and other experience of people who, you know, took away everything, your wife, your kids, everything, your freedom for 11 years. Hopefully people can, you know, say, hey, 
you know what, damn it, I can go outside right now. You know, I can go smell the grass. I can go, I can order a McDonald's if I want. I can go to Burger King. Yep. You know, I can fuck my wife. I can pet my dog. You know, and that's that's the shit. You couldn't do any of it. It's hard to imagine, man. Yeah, uh, I was very fortunate. Like everything you just listed, I basically did except the sex. Uh, I've, I've, you know, my first five years in prison was prison. You know, I worked in a welding shop. I saw the people get killed and seen a guy had six guys carry him his dead body or he was dying been stabbed like 40 times and left a trail of blood all the way to clinic. That was, I got the full prison experience my first five years. After that, I became trustee or NX eligible or trustee eligible because of the time frame I was under 10 years. So I, I took the first thing smoking to an NX and annexes are lovely. And I, uh, had everything I wanted pretty much, you know, uh, due to different circumstances or whatever. But, you know, it, it, the last place I had, I had my own cat. You know what I was saying? At the shop I worked at, you know, they, we had shop cats to keep the, the mice and stuff that, but, uh, you know, I worked in the free world for a year and a half as a community service worker. Uh, I was loaned out to one of the municipalities near the prison. And basically I did road work and hatched the roads and weed eated, fixed guardrail and picked up track, rode on the, we were the guy, you know, I learned where more staff, security staff and administrators work at these prisons because I'm going by picking up their garbage and seeing them getting ready to go to work. You know what I'm saying? So like, you know, it, it, it was kind of, you know, jarring, you know, to see staff outside and you would think they'd be fucked up about it. Right. You know, like, Oh God, this inmate knows where I live, but like, it ain't like that because they try not to put fucking retards at hand. Now, there will always be that some that slip through cracks. I'm a retard myself, technically, because I did some dumb shit, and I got told on and admitted to it like a dumbass. Truth does not set you free. Morally, it sets you free. Do Deny, deny, deny. <laughs> deny, deny, deny. Do not admit, even though it is the right thing to do. But anyway, that's the old me. The new me does not live like that. I don't have to lie about a contraband cell phone. I don't have to lie about getting tobacco or, or whatever doing this that and the other you know so that's a lot of stress off of me but uh i don't know man i lost my complete train of thought about deny, deny, deny. i don't have to lie anymore <laughs> so i'm glad i don't have to deny 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 <laughs> you know i don't mind you know you can you if you had 20 questions lined up i'll give you 100 percent like i was talking to god honest truth you know what i'm saying because now there is a difference between honesty and truth but uh you know i'd be straightforward i i like i said i don't live i i, I carry myself in a way that I, I don't cause conflict, so I don't have to deal with conflict. I don't deal if it comes out. Of, that's where I get in trouble. Is because if I don't see conflict coming, I can't be ready for it. So I yeah. tend to resort to old tactics and old responses. And you're at a four, and I'm already at a fifteen, and on my way to jail before you realize what happened. And like I said, I'm not a competition person. I'm not a badass at all. You know what I'm saying? I, I've literally walked away from. I've literally walked away from motherfuckers spitting my face, calling me a bitch ass, dick fucking whore. Which is like, you know, a triple dog dare. You know what I'm saying? That's the equivalent yeah. of the triple dog dare in prison. You're a bitch ass fucking whore. And he spit on me. I literally turned away and just walked away. Felt like a fucking piece of shit, you know, kind of thing. So I live to avoid confrontation, but if I don't see it coming, I don't react well. You know, uh but and that's a bad thing to be in this society because nobody wants to fight out here on the streets. They're shooting motherfuckers. <laughs> or running you over. You know what I'm saying? There ain't there is you thought there was nothing to talk about in prison. Out here, there is even less to talk about. You know what I'm saying? If you're walking in front of somebody and you ain't moving through the, the parking lot quick enough, they're going to run you over. They're going to shoot you. Or do both. <laughs> they might do both. They did it to a guy, a guy at a gas station right before I got out in my old neighborhood. 
they do. I don't know what he did, but they they literally ran his ass over and backed up over him and then ran him over again. That's fucked oh, up, man. Shit. People need a, a healthy outlet how to fucking deal with these issues, man. <laughs> it, <it's... laughs> Yo, that's uh, crazy. Uh, well, Wes, Wes, I think that's all I have for you today. I just want to say, holy shit, what? And uh, first of all, I've had an, a great time talking to you. Thank you for talking to me. But no I problem, think man. more than more than anything, I've been so educated today, uh, just on you know how it is inside prison. What can we do to make it better? And just, I feel like I've walked a couple feet in your shoes. I haven't walked a whole mile in your shoes, but but a couple feet, and it is fucking insane and crazy. I'm so thankful that you took the time to talk to me, and I think everybody listening to this can really. Uh, benefit from hearing your fucking crazy ass life the past 15 years thank you yeah i appreciate being here thank you yeah of course is is, is there anything do you want to plug a social media account or a website or anything like that oh I, i'm i'm still learning this is the first time i've ever zoomed man hey look <laughs> when i told somebody i was i had to do a skype or whatever they said they don't skype anymore it's uh... zoom. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, the same damn thing tell them shut the hell up <laughs> yeah i was like I'm, I'm stuck in 2011 but I, i'm trying to i'm trying to come up in 20 but no man i appreciate you having me just people just need to be aware man that the people probably more than 90 percent of the people in prison are getting out we're coming home they're coming home they need society needs to recognize things have to be done in preparation so we don't go back you know unless they just want to come straight out and acknowledge that they want us going away if that's not the case, then there's things that can be done. Programs, resources, inside and out, young and old, get the young before they get to the point to where they're carjacking in sixth grade. You know, yeah. that's not cool. It's cool to them. It's six, in sixth grade, I thought it was badass to steal some bonkers from the fucking corner store, little chewy candies or whatever. Now, you know, they're, they're robbing the cash rich. You know what I mean? That ain't, that ain't, that ain't where it's at. So things got to change. People have to fucking pay attention because it's not out of sight, out of mind. We're in your driveway. We're next to you at the grocery store. We're there. You know what I mean? It just, we're coming back. We all need to be ready. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. You know what? Hey, if you were my next door neighbor, I wouldn't mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I but, appreciate that. Yeah, man. You're awesome, dude. You're definitely not, uh, you break the stereotype, but thank you so much for coming on, Wesley. You're awesome, dude. Have a good one. You too, man.